Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. There's so much crazy stuff going on in uh, Washington and New York and really throughout the world uh, beyond the flyover country here that I can't begin to grasp all the nuance and all the craziness happening, whether it's uh, Obamacare and what is or is not happening with that and with this whole Russia gate thing, Russia, Russia, Russia. And now Donald Trump Jr. is meeting with someone, and it's like a big nothing burger. But now we find out that that Russian woman was actually brought into the country with Loretta Lynch saying, yeah, it's okay, you can come in, you don't need a visa and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to keep up with all of this, and I try to watch the you know, cable news channels and all the stuff on the Internet and everything, and I just can't keep up with this. So one of my favorite guests of all time, and listeners um, as well, is Liz Peek. She is not only a columnist for the Fiscal Times, but uh, also a featured panelist on the Fox Business Network and on Fox News. And she's got her own website, of course, and has been involved in Wall Street for a number of years, being one of the original uh, partners for some big deal uh, firm there on Wall Street and has got tremendous experience and knowledge and everything else. Anyway, we get her on from time to time whenever her schedule permits and uh, just ask her all sorts of questions. And she always has like this incredible information. Half the time, she doesn't even realize how important that information is to us here in flyover country because it's kind of a, a given in her world but not in ours, so I'm going to pull it out of her, and it's always really interesting stuff. So, Liz Peake, welcome back to One Dimitri Radio. How you doing? I'm terrific. I'm very glad to join you. Thank you. Great. So what's going on now, first with Obamacare? What is the latest here? The, the Mitch McConnell is saying that these poor senators can't go on their you know month-long vacations <laughs> from you know working, and Aww. they can't get enough people to vote, and then it's just, it's just it's just so confusing to me. Help me understand. Well, I think McConnell did a very smart thing in demanding that the Senate stay in session an extra couple of weeks. Uh, most Americans feel like having just taken an entire week off over the Fourth of July holiday, as the Senate did, they really don't need to have another whole month at home uh, basking in the glory of their ineffectiveness. So. Yeah, he kind of pulled the plug on that, and rightly so, because they need, Dimitri, to show Americans that they can indeed govern, that all those votes to repeal and replace Obamacare actually meant something, even though you and I probably at the time suspected that it didn't mean much, because they knew that Obama was going to basically veto any uh, repeal that came through Congress. So where we stand is that Mitch McConnell is flogging his troops to try and get to the magic number of 50. That means they can only lose two. Uh, We know that Rand Paul is a no vote, and chances are Susan Collins is a no vote. So they really have to round up everybody else. And to tell you the truth, I, I, I am fit to be tied with Rand Paul. I think he is sort of the quintessential... Uh, obstructionist here in that he knows full well that he's not going to bring people around to his side, his side being full repeal of Obamacare as we have promised voters, 
that's just not going to happen. The American people have come round to not exactly loving Obamacare, but they certainly expect to see uh, a federal apparatus in place where all Americans have access to health care insurance. That is now a given. So Rand Paul's out there on his sort of lonely plank, sawing away, uh, while the rest of the country is waiting for a fix. Because on the other hand, Democrats, in their hypocrisy, refuse to acknowledge that, in fact, Ob- Obamacare is not working. The only reason it is still in place is that the federal government has handed to the insurance companies enormous bailouts because they've lost a ton of money under the strict confines of Obamacare's program. So, you know, what it, it reminds me, remember back during the election, I had a you know, friends who would say, well, I hate Hillary Clinton, I can't uh, stand her, but I can't bring myself to vote for Donald Trump. And my response would be, it's black or white. You you vote for one or the other. And if you don't vote for Donald Trump, you're going to have Hillary Clinton as president. That's as simple as it gets. Ditto on health care. If they don't pass a bill, we have Obamacare. And I think, honestly, Republican fundraising, which has been extremely robust, way outperforming even during these kind of loud, disruptive months of the early Trump administration, way out raising uh, Democrats nationally. Uh, I tell you what, it's going to go to zero because we expect action, and I say we, meaning people who supported Trump, who supported these Congress uh, types who have have now the majority. And we want to see something happen. Well, <clears throat> Liz, now you know that I'm very fond of you. You know, you have to know <laughs> this. But you also know I'm a libertarian. And that Rand Paul has libertarian in his DNA. It's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the expert. You're the Wellesley College uh, graduate, you know, and major in you know, honors and economics. And you've got the Wall Street experience. And you know all the movers and shakers and everything else. So you're going to have to help me understand here, because from my perspective uh, here in flyover country, it seems that Dr. Rand Paul, the junior senator from Kentucky, is the only one in the virtually the only one in the Senate who is saying that Republicans must keep their word and repeal Obamacare as they had been promising for the past six years and you have a problem with that yes i do uh they didn't promise all of them to repeal obamacare they promised to repeal and replace obamacare and you what you just said is the number one issue Rand paul is the only one with that position so what good is that what in other words you know and, and by the way conservatives are famous for sort of going off on an ideological parade and really basically uh, waving a lot of flags and getting nothing done. This is an opportunity. Here is why Rand Paul is wrong. The Medicaid effort, the the effort to rein in the growth of Medicaid is gigantic, and it's extremely important. Medicaid is now the third largest public outlay in the federal budget. Keep that in mind. This was supposed to be a very narrow program tailored only to the really poor and indigent. Third biggest federal program now is Medicaid fastest growing, it will soon be 10% of the federal budget. This is a disaster. And by the way, all those Tea Partiers with whom I had great sympathy who 
rallied against trillion-dollar deficits, they're going to be back in the streets pretty, sh- pretty soon because we are heading back into trillion-dollar deficits in the not-too-distant future. So the number one challenge to the federal government right now, to our Congress, is to stop the growth of federal spending, and the number one source of that growth is Medicaid. So Rand Paul is uh, basically ignoring, I think for personal political reasons, the opportunity here to enact what some people have described as the biggest entitlement reform in the last 50 years. And if he's going to walk away from that, he is not a conservative and he's not a libertarian. Well, we're going to have to respectfully agree to disagree on this one, dear Liz. Now, let's get on to the people who actually, uh, we've been told, are um, uh, brilliant deal makers who know all about the art of the deal, who can get all this stuff worked out, because uh, it seems to me that these two guys, President Donald Trump and the Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, have failed miserably when it comes to doing what they supposedly do best, and that is putting deals together. It seems to me, Liz, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, that President Donald Trump's biggest failure by far, by far, is is this humiliating defeat regarding the Senate bill uh, repealing, replacing, whatever you want to call it, uh, of Obamacare. President Trump, to his credit, was deeply involved in um, uh, lobbying the uh, senators, the Republican senators, inviting them to the White House by all accounts. And even Rand Paul uh, was giving him a tremendous amount of credit for being involved in the process, trying to make it happen. And you've got him and you've got Mitch McConnell, who I keep reading as this consummate deal maker in the Senate and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. And Donald Trump, of course, uh, wrote the book, The Art of the Deal. I mean, he literally wrote the book, The Art of the Deal. And yet <laughs> yeah. here you have these two supposed consummate deal makers who could not make a deal with their fellow Republican senators. In what universe is this not considered a humiliating failure? Well, it's not over, okay? I mean, that's why we have the extra two weeks. And so I don't consider the effort dead. What McCon- Now, let's dial back to 2010 when Obama was trying to get Obamacare done. They basically bought senators off, okay? $200 million, maybe it was $220 million to Mary Landrieu in Louisiana, uh, $50 million to uh, Nebraska's senator, the Cornhusker Compromise, remember that one? Sure. Uh, and and basically, that's what McConnell has to do now. And I think he is doing that. After all, we have the $45 billion opioid fix, which is supposed to be uh, you know, a consoling factor to a number of Republican governors who have been very uh, um, opposed to this because they have taken the Medicaid expansion. Uh, but remember, I talked about $190 billion reform of Medicaid. That gives McConnell a fair amount to spend, actually, to get back. He won't spend all of it because he has to convince conservatives that this is a good thing for the country, which I think it is. But he does have some running room here, and so I don't think it's over. Uh, I think those two, again, some, we've and by the way, in the last couple of days, we've seen some no votes go to yes. There will be more of that. And I think, yes, Rand Paul's going to stand his ground, again, choosing to preserve Obamacare 
over uh, uh, endorsing something that is considerably better. And by the way, as a libertarian, that you should be applauding because it does offer more choice. One of the reasons good libertarians um, should be up in arms about Obamacare is because you have to buy insurance. Remember, that was... Well, we hate uh, it. We, we hate yeah, it. But right. the thing with this so, new bill, the thing with the new bill that Dr. Rand Paul brings up, and I don't want to get into an argument regarding Rand Paul. We're going to just agree to disagree <laughs> on this. But the one thing he does bring up, which I, I, I certainly believe is a very important point, is that with the, the negotiations going on right now seem to include massive subsidies for the insurance companies, and um, some of the taxes um, are going to be uh, kept in place. But the massive subsidies for the insurance companies during the campaign, everybody was talking about how they were going to eliminate the boundaries uh, so that uh, you could shop across state lines for health care, this, that, and the other. And I must tell you, Liz, that if this bill, this Republican bill, actually uh, gets through the Senate and they include uh, subsidies for insurance companies, uh, that is, to me, that is simply Obamacare light, and it's a uh, um, everything uh, opposed to my libertarian principles. But time will okay, tell. So, we'll see. We'll so see. I, th- I believe that that's a transition issue, though, correct? I mean, you can't – if you pull temporary, the subsidy – Is that a temporary? Is that, yeah. What's, what's I mean, tempor- let's, Tell me what's temporary in Washington, D.C. when it comes to taxes and <laughs> Subsidies. Tell me one thing well, that was, that was temp- in Pennsylvania. You know, we're still paying for the temporary tax for the Johnstown flood in 1936. Do you know that we're still paying for? <laughs> I swear to God, we're still paying for that. Anyway, well, look, that's look, your fault. That's oh, your oh, fault. You should pay more and get it done. <laughs> it is not, nothing. Nothing is ever my fault. You should know that by now. Anyway, no. Let, it, look. Yes. You, you raise a good point, but but you it, supp- all right. So suppose in a perfect world, we completely re- uh, take away those subsidies right now today. Yes. What happens? All uh, the Obamacare, Obamacare changes go away. Exactly, and Obamacare right. fails miserably, which is, yeah. which is a storyline that candidate Donald Trump proposed, saying, you know, it might be best if Obamacare simply collapses. That way everybody will yeah. see how horrible it is. And then, frankly, there will be that much more pressure to put together a good system after 2018. But, look, we could go on forever with this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know True. where you stand. Uh, we're going to disagree. We, uh, on, where yes. I stand is we go need ahead. to have a, a better plan, and that's what they're working on. Well, yeah, well we can agree on that. Yes, we <laughs> We can agree yeah. on that. We found common ground. We need a better plan. Excellent. All right. Let's shift gears here and get on to Russia, 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 Russia Gate. And all the Russians are coming. Russia this, Russia that, Russian vodka, Russian borscht, and, and it, everything, Russian dressing, everything Russia. What the hell is going on with these people in Russia? What is this? Well, look, I I wrote a piece about this latest episode the Donald Trump Jr. having taken a meeting with someone who promised to give him uh, dirt on Hillary Clinton, a Russian-linked person. And honestly, I think it's just, again, such such hyperventilation uh, by those on the left who are so excited that there is something actually concrete they can talk about, which is a meeting. But I think people really need to kind of dial back and remember what was going on at the time. And and it's it's inter- of course the liberal media has not mentioned this but at the time if you recall you and i would have been talking not about possible links between donald trump and russia but rather between hillary clinton and russia and one of the big storylines during the uh spring and summer of the election 
was that Hillary Clinton had green-lighted the sale to a Russian state-linked company, no question about it, a Putin-influenced company uh, of our biggest uranium source, Uranium One. And the reason that's important is, in the same time, she got a very big donation to the Clinton Foundation from the buyer of that U.S. strategic asset, uh, and didn't reveal it. The Clinton Foundation, uh, when Hillary Clinton entered the Obama White House, she was supposed to make public all the donations to the Clinton Foundation. This donation went to the Canadian affiliate, which, by the way, was included in that agreement she had with Obama, but somehow never they never quite disclosed uh, these payments from the Russian uh, entity, which had bought, which she had basically allowed to buy this uranium company. And by the way, a lot of top security people in our country oppose this deal. So this was pretty controversial. It appears that she accepted millions of dollars to a family foundation in exchange for letting it go through. Why did the Russians want this property? Because they were hard at work building power plants in Iran, in North Korea, and other countries uh, not particularly on the good friend list of the United States, and they needed uranium. So that, if, frankly, knowing all that, and remember, this is all the product of Peter Schweitzer's very excellent book called Clinton Cash, which just showed an incredible litany of double-dealing and self-dealing on the part of Hillary and Bill Clinton, even while she was in the State Department, which even caused the New Yorker, one of the more liberal organizations in the world, to actually write about how is it that Bill Clinton is getting uh, half a million dollars from a Russian investment bank when Hillary Clinton is Secretary of State. This was really bad stuff. This was real, and this was payments to Clinton entities by Russians. And frankly, I hope Bob Mueller picks up on this thread and actually investigates it because it would be worth doing. Anyway, at the time, Donald Trump or you or I, if if we had gotten an email saying we from a Russian, supposedly a Russian-connected source, saying we have the dirt on Hillary Clinton, I would have taken that meeting in a heartbeat. Oh, sure. And that's what happened. Oh, no question. My goodness, no no question about it. I mean, you know, some hot Russian babe wants to give me some information or says she wants to give me some information about whoever, whatever. I'll say, heck yeah, duh, come on, come on over. Exactly. You know, let's, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, also, you, Ukraine, the nation of Ukraine apparently was deeply involved with the Hillary Clinton campaign to uh, help her win uh, the election. Is that not true also? That appears to be the case. And so why isn't anybody talking about that? Well, I guess because she lost, and everybody's still mad about that, and they're looking for how to discredit the winner. That's really what all this is about. The liberal media and Democrats generally cannot believe, even today, that they lost this election because they really thought that they thought that Barack Obama was a popular president. They thought his policies were popular, despite two midterm elections where he got his party at least got trounced, and the fact that he had to basically buy the 2012 election by offering all kinds of benefits to Hispanics in the months leading up to it and providing uh, the teachers' unions with great favors, etc. The truth is the liberal media had so convinced themselves that Barack Obama was one of our all-time great presidents, they didn't see trouble brewing. And there are all kinds of other things we could talk about uh, about that 
election. But I think at the end of the day, the reason they are so angry is because they got it so wrong. And I, I've met these people. I remember talking to a, and not, not just, by the way, on Hillary Clinton. I remember talking to a, uh, a reporter, I think the top reporter for The Economist, who's here in the U.S., and we were talking about Brexit. And, he's, and I had written, if you recall, that Brexit could happen. So I was like the only person out there who thought, yeah. or one of the very few, who thought that vote might go in favor of exiting the EU. He said, you know, we wonder if it's sort of a problem that there wasn't a single person on the Economist staff that thought it might go that way. And I said, yeah, you know, I think that really is a problem. Maybe you guys need to kind of tune in to real people and what they're thinking. Anyway. Wow. But I think that is true. Yeah. No, no. You and Donald Trump were the only two who thought Brexit might actually uh, might actually happen. He, he actually thought it could uh, could work. So, yeah. Yeah. No, well, no it's a harbinger of, of what happened in November here. You know, just kind of I, it, the, the term forgotten majority has gotten a lot of abuse. But the truth is, you always talk about flyover country. Uh, you know, there's something to it, right? There's something to the oh, fact yeah. that oh, yeah. the we don't part about, of the country. We don't care about Russia. That's the thing here. Outside yeah, of I you know. Know, New York, Washington, D.C., where you are based, in that bubble world of super smart, super rich, super successful people, super well, you know, um, uh, connected people who, you know, they just, that world of yours, although you, you are an exception, obviously. Thank you. They just keep talking about this friggin' Russia thing, and I'm going, who, first, I don't get it, second, (laughs) we don't care, it's like, we've got a booming economy, at least according to Wall Street, which is like a nice thing, with, you know, more job creation, and, uh, you know, more people getting better credit scores, and all this, all this good stuff that's going to affect, uh, improve my life, and the lives of, you know, my neighbors, my friends, and all that, I have yet in the going to the grocery store. Super, we, we have supermarkets here, and uh, you know, we, we, we can go into the mall and whatever. It, I mean, Liz, when I say that virtually nobody talks about Russia, I yeah, mean, no, I know virtually no. You know who does yeah. though? My wife and her sister. They hate Trump, and so they too are like <laughs> like they're they're self radicalizing. I mean, it's insane to watch. I mean, it really is. <laughs> Now tell me, okay. It, it, normally, I don't laugh at um, uh, mental uh, health uh, um, uh, issues, but I must tell you, when you see some of these people, you know, who are losing their minds over uh, Trump derangement syndrome, it is actually funny in a scary sort of way. Now I know we've got you for just a couple more minutes, so let me ask you this: What so far? Because you're in that bubble, you're in that crazy land world there, Manhattan and D.C. and you know you. You, you know, you do your summers in, you know, Massachusetts and all this kind of stuff. You're in that world, although you stick out like a sore thumb because you're you're sensible. Who was the crazy? I don't need any names, although a name would be nice. Uh, who was the craziest person, man, woman, whatever, who you witnessed firsthand uh, displaying Don, um, Trump derangement syndrome? <laughs> I'll tell you a funny thing. We were at a dinner party not that long ago, and a very, very famous uh, publishing air, I will leave it at that, was there who hates Donald Trump. And we started, thankfully, I wasn't the only person there who had a little bit more reasonable point of view, but we started talking about the TPP, and she was like, oh, you know, Trump has thrown the country under the bus, walking away from the TPP. And I said very mildly, I thought, you know, just 
so you know, the World Bank actually did a study that shows the United States really wouldn't have benefited from the TPP, but rather Malaysia, Vietnam, other countries uh, were, you know, going to benefit hugely. She literally put her fingers in her ears and said, I don't want to hear any facts. I don't want to hear any information. I know it's wrong. And I looked, I mean, honestly, this actually happened. And I was like, wow, uh, you know, uh, you know, so much for civil discourse, right? Um, anyway, look, the, the truth is I, I'm disappointed and sort of depressed by the continued animosity, the hostility, which just knows no bounds, which kind of colors every attitude. And I think, for example, on an issue like immigration, it's leading the country into and Democrats into a very dangerous place. I look at their... You know, the New York Times, which I do read dutifully, although it makes me kind of ill, uh, now conflates utterly the immigration policy, whether it's uh, legal or illegal. They treat immigrants the same, whether they've come in, uh, whether they're documented people or undocumented people. And it's really stupid because Americans don't feel that way. I mean, even actually the Hispanic community Latino community does not feel that way. They understand that people need to stand in the line. They need to come into the country legally, and that it's not safe to have unprotected borders. This whole movement of sanctuary cities, I don't know about you, Dimitri, I find it extremely troublesome, and it's mm -hmm. kind of become a way for uh, mayors and governors and people who want to make a name for themselves to kind of adopt a tremendously liberal mantle but it's really damaging. And yeah, yeah. No, I can say we're we're in complete agreement. The the insanity. You know, we love legal immigration. The more, the better. My pa parents, you know, all relatives and all that. But just this whole thing of sanctuary cities where you you don't even turn over criminals uh, so they can yeah. be deported is. I mean, it's it's it's. I don't it's intolerable. It's, it's like intolerable. A, a dystopian nightmare coming to life. I, I can't even find the right words to it. I just threw out dystopian because it sounds really classy and highbrow. <laughs> but I have no idea. I know. What I, it means. I have to go look that up every time I see that word. I'm not quite sure what it means. There you go. Now, dear Liz, I always, uh, you know, again, I could listen to you all day long, but I know you're extremely busy with Fox Business Network and Fox Channel and and, and Fiscal Times and all the other stuff that you do in the media and all that. And I always give my guests the last word. So I'm going to hand you my short SM7B dynamic microphone. This is your chance to speak directly to my listeners here at One Dimitri Radio. Tell them anything, everything you want, including uh, to promote shamelessly your websites, your speaking engagements, your books, and everything else. So, uh, well, dear thank Liz, you. Pete, my microphone's yours. Thank you very much. I will hope people would follow me on Twitter. It's Liz Peek, P-E-E-K, one word. Uh, I am launching a new website sometime this summer if I can get my people or, organized to do so. And so I hope that that will be a better vehicle for my columns and so forth to be out there. But I appreciate that, and I always love being on with you. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Liz Peek, you have a great day. If you need any pointers about uh, how to improve the website, <laughs> I'll be more than happy to sit down with you. Cause <laughs> I like that. Thank you very much. I can always use pointers. Indeed. Okay, look, you have a great day. Take care. We'll get you on again soon. And again, truly, thank you for everything that you do. You are a joy, and uh, we just love having you on the show. You have a great day, Liz, all right? You too. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.